Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi Mila. Hello. <laughs> Today's episode, episode 23, is Sweet Dreams of Bewitched Things. And the synopsis for this episode is Dignitaries from rival kingdoms descend on Camelot for peace talks, but King Alanid will do everything in his power to stir up hostilities. Pretty good. You know what? I'm going to get right into my pet peeve for this episode. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to start complaining. <laughs> start with my complaints because it's an excellent episode. It is the Merlin rom-com. Yes. It's excellent. It's a great episode. It's funny. Everyone's excellent in it. But here's my complaint. You set a dangerous precedent in a show when you keep referring to the five kingdoms. Then you put in a line to the effect of all the kingdoms. So every king should be here. But we've heard the mention of King Sedred, and he's not here. We've seen, what was the king that sent the assassin? Oh, you're, you can't ask me. I just watched this once. Odin. Odin. I got it. I'm here. It's all good. There you go. You're the, you're the expert. Don't ask me. That's a dangerous thing to call me. I'm not the expert. I'm the person who's watched <laughs> this a couple times. There are people who listen to us who are so much more informed to which I'd like to give a shout out to one of our listeners. Sophia, you're awesome. Uh, your knowledge astounds me. And I hope to be able to keep up. Look. Yes, Sophia, I heard some of the answers that Sonia just relayed to me because I'm not really allowed to look at people's messages because they might tell me something that I can't know. So, you know, I just get all my information secondhand from Sonia, from the, from the Instagram. I text you and tell you what people say to us. Exactly. She screenshots and sends it to me. That's it. Look, I don't understand if there's more than five kingdoms and these are just the five kingdoms that we care about. But the one next door is Sedred and he's not there. I mean, I can't disagree with you. I know I understand where you're coming from. You know, you just got to go with it, man. <laughs> I do. I'm going to have to go with it because we're going to let this go and get on with this Merlin fans. I think it's a lovely episode, though. I think it's hilarious. Everyone's comedic timing in this is just so good. It is really good. I really love, and I love, you know, that kind of comedy of the lack of communication makes everything happen. Or like, it's not even the lack of communication is that you're communicating two different things in the same conversation and you're not realizing it because you think you're talking about the same thing, but you're really not. The misunderstanding of communication is driving the entire plot, basically. Correct. This opens up with Uther and Arthur on the castle wall. And I want to know why we don't shoot on this castle wall once an episode. So beautiful. Uther kind of sets up really high stakes. We're either going to succeed in these peace talks or have complete war. So cool. No pressure. It's funny because it's a very high stakes way to set up a very funny episode. Yes, because very high stakes. It's all or nothing. All depends on the negotiations. You know that something's going to go wrong right from the beginning, right? Especially we meet the two kings in this opening, Alanid and Olaf, and Alanid is just an asshole. Yeah. He kind of makes Uther look good. He kind of does. On my notes, I just wrote, what an awful person. I like the character choices in this, playing into the baddie king. He's enjoying the bad guy role. Yeah, and you can, obviously, as soon as he gets there, you can see that he's clearly going to be the villain of this story. Yeah. Vivian comes in and she's just so mean yeah georgia moffat does a great job of this character because she plays two different characters really she plays 
the really mean princess and then later ends up playing the love struck girl. Which she does so good. Like her faces are amazing. But yes, she's very picky. She clearly is not everyone. She's not anybody that just came to this room to stay here. And she's really mean to Gwen for no reason at all. You don't even know this person. How do you know that she's not a good servant? The great thing we get out of that interaction is Gwen and Arthur leaving and having a laugh together about how awful this person is. Oh my god. That's such a cute moment. I have a heart in my notes. Cute little moment between Gwen and Arthur. That's what I said. I have a heart next to mine too. <laughs> it's so cute. It's really nice. It's really nice. It is. It's nice to see them have a really low stakes interaction where it's just a good laugh, right? Because you don't get that too much Yeah, <laughs> with the two of them. Because if they're interacting, usually something bad's happening. That's the thing with Gwen and Arthur, or not bad, but it's pretty high stakes when they communicate because there's not a much crossover there for them to talk about. Just like, how's the weather? Right. I also enjoyed them just having a moment as two equal people. I didn't feel like the difference, oh, you're a prince and I'm a servant. So that's it's a way that we have to talk to each other or behave with each other is just a normal reaction of like, Oh my God, what was that? You get a little bit of a peek into what it would be like to have them be together. Yes. Which is important to set this up because of how things devolve and how quickly. Merlin and Arthur are in the next scene when Arthur is getting ready, bickering back and forth. So much of it in this episode, but this one, I just love this whole like, there's a hole in my shirt. What do I tell the five kings downstairs <laughs> that we have moths? <laughs> Merlin, shut up. Just like sass right away. This is the love and friendship we always talk about between the two of them. So much closeness that you can have with a friend where he's like, nah, you have a crush, <laughs> basically. Yes. And I'm glad that at least I think that we are. Like, it feels that way that we're seeing these scenes more often. Yeah, it's definitely increased. You're okay. right. We're getting Good. into the territory of Merlin that I'm more used to as, a, as someone who's watched it before. This is the stuff that's memorable about the main relationship of the show they've written. First season, I was kind of surprised to go through it with a fine-tooth comb with you and kind of not see it as much. I kind of had to remember, oh, it takes a minute to get there. Right. This is. I always argue about how shows that have any potential need a second season. Second seasons are where you get to take off with what you've set up. And also, there's an organic thing that happens between how your story's being received and how that guides your writing and writers getting to know their actors, actors getting to know their characters. So second seasons can be really special in the sense of you finally arrive at the place where you were driving at in the beginning, but couldn't quite get there because you were setting it all up. Right. First seasons are tricky. But yeah, this is definitely something that I'm, oh yeah, we're here. Here we are. This is, these are the two guys I know. I think that, do we have this? On our bingo, we have to like up our bingo. And I think the like best friend vibes is something that should be on the bingo because it's more often now with Arthur and Merlin. I'm going to change the whole board except for fire. Fire is going to stay. <laughs> fire is going to stay. Speaking of fire, we're so good at this Oh, now. God. Fire. <laughs> at least this time, though, it's CGI fire. <laughs> I'm so glad. Because the way that they are, they would have somebody blowing fire right out of your face. Yeah. The actor, Kevin Eldon, is playing this brilliant character. Trickler is his name. Trickler. Yes. Yeah, but he's a jester. Like, I can't. That name. Yeah. 
this actor, Kevin, he's so funny. All reports from set and the behind the scenes content are just that he's so hilarious that he breaks other actors while they're trying to act. I have to say that I was very pleased to finally see a full jester outfit. I was very happy. There's just something about castles and kings and queens and the royal family that you, especially if you're doing like a period piece that I expect to see a full jester with the hat and all doing something at some point in a party. That was a serious hat because it's like full face hood. But yeah, does the fire trick, does the butterfly trick, and you kind of see Merlin's squinty, suspicious eyes. Did you, what did you feel at this point? Did you think, uh uh-oh, magic? Yeah. I'm like, they're not real butterflies. Like, where were they? (laughs) I mean, fire, I understand there's people who breathe fire and can do tricks like that. Butterflies, just no. For anyone out there who's been watching The Great, I don't know. Maybe you could train butterflies to follow you around because that one of the characters maybe does do that. Yeah, no, it's suspicious, but everyone there buys it. Everyone thinks he was hiding the butterflies up his sleeve or something. Except Merlin. Merlin looks suspicious. Well, he's the only one who would recognize that from very far away, right? I don't expect anybody else to actually recognize what he's doing as magic is just a trick especially because you're in Uther's house and you're doing it right in everyone's faces you would never dare to do that my comedy brain totally latched onto this scene and just did a whole scenario with Uther with Anthony had just screaming out of his head like just going crazy screaming magic (laughs) it's actually surprising that Uther doesn't freak out (laughs) because it's edging on magic honestly go figure But he's there to steal a lock of hair. So you know something's up. Yes. Also, these people have very heavy sleep. Heavy sleep. Yes. He goes into this sorcery thing with King Alanid, played by David Schofield. And my goodness, there's a little fire stunt with a candle. It's a great one. But yes, you're right. He ends up in Arthur's room to which, oh my God, how is it this easy? To sneak into the prince's room in the middle of the night. This is when the room should be most guarded because he's dead asleep and in danger. I don't know the reasoning behind here. I guess Uther's like, look, if we have guards at the gate, nobody comes in the gate. Nobody tries to kill the king or the prince. But everyone comes through the gate. Didn't you notice? (laughs) People are constantly getting in. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Especially with rival kings when you haven't reached the peace treaty. I would argue this is the one time you have guards in front of Arthur's room. Everyone is staying with you in your castle. Who knows if somebody's planning something? Clearly, there's somebody planning something. They brought knights with them. Like, there's rival knights in the castle. Whatever. I'm going to just logic this one away with this guy has sorcery. So maybe he was, you know, clever sneaking around. Well, because of course they brought knights. Because Uther said that there's a possibility that this fails. So, you know, things can go wrong. What happens next? Is a magic window moment. Because the spells at work, he's in love with Lady Vivian just standing out there yelling at someone. I love that touch. I love that he's pining for her in a window and she's just screaming at someone. There's nothing nice about it. I think she's screaming, shut up or you idiot or something like that. Like you can, if you look at her, I forgot to write it in my notes, but I looked at her mouth and I'm like, I know what you just said. And I think it was you idiot. I don't know. She's just mean. Well, regardless of what she's yelling, this just dips into one of the best scenes, I think, of this whole episode because the comedic timing between 
Bradley and Colin here. Even in the commentary, the director was like, you guys came in here having rehearsed this and I didn't even have to change anything about it because it's so funny and so well done. Bradley's really good. I've said this before about him. It's a different kind of enchantment because during the Avalon episode, I said he was really good at playing Enchanted. But it's funny because, again, he's really good at playing Enchanted, but it's a completely different version of that. Yeah, that's true. Last time it was dulled and and kind of subdued and scary and vacant and zombie-ish. This time entranced and in love and light and airy and a little goofy and dumb. Very like overdramatic. Well, he says, I have to express my feelings and just spreads his hands out from his heart. My feelings. <laughs> he has to interpret it with his hands. That's literally the line that I have here. I need your help expressing my feelings. My favorite part, which is what the director is talking about, it's this whole feelings, feelings. Girls, girls. I mean, flowers. <laughs> flowers. It's such a brilliant exchange. It's We talk about this all the time. You have to cast people who can do this because you can't teach this. They come to set having rehearsed it and they got there without the director. It's just so funny. It works so well. It really does. It also reads how like neither, both of them are clueless, right? Neither of them really understands the women. <laughs> They're still quite young. Yeah. They're just talking about a thing that they don't understand at all. They're like, we're, we're guessing here. We're taking a wild guess on what you should do. What's your next step? Take a guess. Whatever you guess, that's going to be it. It's funny to have this lighthearted episode after the Merlin's first love has just died in his arms in the last episode. I mean, I'm glad for it. But it's interesting that we have uh, this high energy Merlin back who's just jolly and yeah, which is supposed to be. That's the tone of this episode. It is the rom-com of the show. But it's funny because he's like flowers. He knows what he's doing. That's what he did with Freya. Here's a rose. Yeah. And I agree with you that this scene is so great because especially one-liners, like, like one-word one-liners are so hard to time with somebody else are so hard to give the right intonation to mean the right thing to express all of all of the meaning that he needs to express in one word because one person says it one way and then the other person says the same word a completely different way and it means different things it's just great that's why it's funny because of the way it works with their the juxtaposition of how they're saying feelings feelings girls girls <laughs> It's just so good. These are the minutiae that really make something brilliant, though. These little things, if you can get this right, it's a lot easier to nail the bigger stuff, right? Yeah. But he does bring the flowers to Gwen's place. And you already know. I mean, we're watching it all happen in the sense of we're omniscient in this episode. We know everything that's happening. And he's bringing them to the wrong girl unknowingly because, of course, in rom-com style, they're using all these plot devices from rom-coms, which work so well with this little gang of people because he never says Lady Vivian. And they were just talking about Gwen before. Oh, they never said any names and both of them are 100% sure that they were 100% clear. In my notes I have, oh no, clear miscommunication. <laughs> yeah, it's a good plot device in a rom-com and it's a good plot device here when it's light because we get frustrated with the miscommunication sometimes when it's heavy stuff and it's like life or death. Yes. But in the rom-com feel of this and the comedy of it all, it's funny. It feels good to have the miscommunication because it drives the problem forward in a funny way. What's really heartbreaking is this note that he leaves Gwen coming back from last episode. 
that this is what he writes on Arthur's behalf because Merlin's written this. Sad. It is. Merlin went out of his way to leave a very nice message to Gwen. It's very sweet. It's a lot coming from a person who just got so crushed. Well, yeah, but a few, like a month could have passed, right? I'm not assuming that this is the, the next day. It's not the next day, but like you thinking it over something like that real quick. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty hard. That was pretty harsh for like first love. It's like you have to burn her. She dies in your arms and have to burn her and put them in a lake. That's what I mean. It's a lot to put on Merlin because Arthur has no idea about this. But it's a lot for him to write that because what would you do if your friend said, write a love note on my behalf? You'd have to go to your reference pool for what you would want to say to somebody. And he only has one reference as far as I'm concerned, and that's Freya. His reference point for romance is very sad. Yeah. Although this is the second episode in a row to prove that Merlin's not bad at romance. He's not. He's very good. Well, he's a very sweet person. <laughs> he's super sweet. And he's very thoughtful. As far as more plot devices from rom-coms, of course, when they're standing in the hallway, Gwen and Vivian are walking together right in front of them, right? <laughs> it's so good. Love it. I love it. I love when they have a scene where two people are looking at the other two people and they're talking about different people but they think they're talking about the same person. I love it. It's so good. This is great because this is also the reveal because once the girls turn the corner of that hallway, Merlin refers to Gwen specifically now and gets slapped across the face. I love this scene because Arthur, Arthur slaps Merlin. He's so, so confused. He's like, what <laughs> the hell just happened? First of all, there's so much to say about this. I can't say everything I want to say about this slap. Not just yet. It'll have to be a future episode when I talk fully about slapping. But this slap is pretty great because there's some behind-the-scenes footage. Bradley dreams going to the director saying, I'm not sure I should slap him. <laughs> Maybe if I just grab him. And I'm not sure what brought that on. <laughs> Maybe he saw... I don't know what the motivation is because they don't really talk about why. I don't know if he saw it as mean. <laughs> but he, the director said, we did that a few times and you were holding back. And this is the take where I told you to go for it. And he really slaps him. <laughs> that is horrible. That I, I don't know. Colin Morgan's face is that he was not expecting this. And he's like, he like does a double take. Like, what did I do? Like, what did I do that you have to slap me across the face? I didn't say anything. I have a stupid question to ask you here. Did you notice the ring this time? My favorite ring. I did. Because I'm... I'm I'm on the lookout for this ring now. This time it was close because he had his hand up there for a while. <laughs> Look, it's a great slap. Everybody knows. There's a camera slap where you don't actually make contact with the person's face. Yes. You fake it to camera. Right. As long as you throw your head at the right second, it looks like you got slapped. Yes. He made contact. So, like, I couldn't, I didn't imagine that that was actually happening. So, I mean, obviously they put more sound in post-production, to sound like it was a slap. I don't know. The scene was just extra funny for some reason. And maybe this is the reason why it was extra funny because it was real. Well, this is the reveal to Merlin of what's actually happening. Yes. Well, now that Merlin knows, he goes to Gaius. And I love this interaction because Gaius is like, what have you done now? The line is specifically, what now, Merlin? <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I have had enough. Clear as mud is something that I'm going to start using. <laughs> I think, for the rest of my life. It's a great idiom. 
Merlin's doing that thing, right? He's doing the Merlin thing. Something goes wrong and he starts seeking advice. Yes. Well, Gaius says it's your job to stop this. I love that. By the way, whatever this is, you got to make it end. You figured this out. Gaius is very clear on whatever this is is a problem. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, in the castle, Arthur's gone to see Lady Vivian with a very famous line of, it's destiny, my love. Destiny and chicken. And he gets totally rejected. Well, that was kind of expected. She's not very nice in the first place. Okay, I'm going to give you a side note where everything she wears is beautiful and I can't stand it. So great. Before I get into the reply to what you just said, which is, yeah, but I'm astounded because Alan is astounded. He says, every woman in this land is in love with him. I'm almost attracted to him myself. And it's a really great line because of how, and they talk about this in the commentary, how he chose to play it. Because you could see so easily that line being played for comedy. When he plays it so straight that when the trickler gives him the face of like how that's funny, he's mad at him. He's like, did I make a joke? I wrote this line down also because I think it's one of my favorites of this episode. It is, I think it's brilliant. And the way that they... Like you just said, the way that they played the interactions, the comedic timing is great. I think it's, if not my favorite, one of my favorites of the episode, because it also shows to the, this was the plan, right? The plan was to enchant Arthur and to just assume that Vivian was going to want his advances. Yes. They didn't plan for this. No, you've only planned one side of this. Which I kind of love because it's annoying to presume that every woman would be in love with Arthur. Okay, excuse us. Seriously. I mean, I understand why they planned it that way. Like, looking at Arthur, I understand why you planned it one way. But, you know, poor Arthur is totally dejected. In bed, just sulking. Arthur gives Merlin this opening here. And Merlin doesn't quite see the shift that's happened in Arthur because he's acting weird. He's willfully asking for this. And Merlin goes, well, since you asked, and then just goes into a breathless rant. I love it. I love everything about it. I love him sitting in bed, just like sad little boy staring straight ahead he even takes the cup from merlin and does not move his eyeline from straight ahead it's so great it's so great and i think that when it clicks for merlin is when he says i don't have an old love and obviously when they find the hair in the bed well yes he gets it there for a second and then he gets yelled at for there being hair in the bed so that's the physical evidence but i do think when he totally has amnesia about his feelings for Gwen. Merlin's really used to the back and forth bickering about this. Yeah. That something's terribly wrong. What I love about that is that it leads into Gaius and Merlin's. Basically what I always say, they're PI detective agency. It takes them a one conversation. They just spell out the whole thing. This must be that and this must be who did it and here's why and you have to fix it. It just takes one conversation where they're like, figured it out. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. They need to open up a detective agency. It'd be much more lucrative than being servants to Uther. I agree. Since there's a case a week there that you have to figure it out because somebody's trying to kill someone, you'd have a lot of clients. It's kind of like an episodic detective show, a little bit. I mean, I said a lot of clients. You'd have one client, Uther, because he's the one who people are trying to kill. Or Arthur, so maybe two clients. But that's pretty much it. They don't care who dies. They just want it to create turmoil. Someone's probably going to die in the process. Right. And then there's going to be a war and a lot of people are going to die in the process. But this kind of reminds me of Psych, where the stakes are always murder, but it's funny and light. Yes. Continuing the theme of a serious security crisis here. 
It's one thing to have not no security at Arthur's door, but how many times have we heard that King Olaf is overprotective of her and now he just gets in her room? Like how? I don't believe for a second King Olaf doesn't have his guards outside her door. Right. Like her father is the most jealous father of all times and doesn't have anyone guarding the room. Also, that dropper that he uses for this, like, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. I don't know if you got to take a look at it. It's like a genie's bottle. Yeah. It's like a little tiny oil bottle from like the East. It's so pretty. Props to the props people. Always. Poor Merlin. What does he do? Basically pulls another all-nighter because he gets woken up by Gaius on a pile of books and he cross-referenced, what, 600 plus spells to find 150 with a lock of hair. The poor kid. I can't do that on the internet in one night. He did it in books. Right. Was he like tallying on a little piece of paper? (laughs) Well, we've seen from other episodes that he can read really fast, right? When he wants. So maybe he did that. Well, he can do that flippy thing he does with his magic. Like he can flip through the books. Right. It's still a lot of work and he still didn't sleep again. So, you know, Merlin bingo, no sleeping. No sleeping. I'll tell you what, now that Vivian's under the spell, here's the thing that made me most nervous about this scene. Like, I know where it's going. I'm watching the comedy unfold, but I'm going to get into a granular level that only you and I get into. And the listeners are probably like, these two girls are crazy. This entire scene I'm watching Georgia Moffat eat red berries in a white gown. And I am panicking the whole time. There must have been 20 gowns just like that one, just waiting on the side on a hanger for her to get up and go change and come back and do the same scene. Who hands an actress in a white gown a berry to eat? That's insane. And she has to eat fast, which means that you can, there's more of a chance. It's not like ladylike eating. She's eating really fast. So there's more of a chance of falling on her dress or spilling or anything, really. I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed it because the entire scene, that's all I can think about. It's unfair because he's delivering these great lines as the trickler where he's like, must be me that you're in love with because she's describing Arthur. (laughs) It's a very funny exchange. Yes, it is. We just keep going on this train of the comedic miscommunications. Literally, that's me and my notes. Arthur and Gwen talk and the miscommunication continues. It's kind of sad, this one, because she's so hopeful. Yes, And I guess it does read as if he's playing coy, like referring to her as somebody else. I mean, I understand because she doesn't think that he would want to refer to her as her because it wouldn't be okay for him to get together with her. I I understand where the confusion comes from at this moment. You know what I mean? I do. It's just incredible. It's funny while being kind of sad for her, like this whole episode, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it only gets worse from here. Meanwhile, Merlin's upstairs handling Vivian. Because he finds Vivian in Arthur's bed. Merlin is so desperate in this scene. It was really funny in the commentary because they they said one of the producers got really obsessed with the fact that Merlin sticks his head out. And timing wise in this scene, it takes way too long between Merlin spotting them in the hallway and everyone getting to the room based on how big the hallway is. I gotta be honest. I agree. I understand that producer because that would be me as a producer. I would be like, this doesn't work. You need to reshoot it so that Merlin sees them like out the window or something. So they have to get all the way upstairs. Right. Because the timing makes no sense because he goes in, has an entire conversation with Vivian. Then Arthur comes in, they have a conversation and then the other ones get in. And I'm like, how long have they been walking? People are walking 
either very long or very slowly. There's only two options. I mean, suspension of disbelief. The problems with the timing aside, Merlin's Ono's oh are kind of hilarious. Totally leaning into the comedy. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> then he runs to Vivian and when she won't shut up, he just stuns her. <laughs> because that's what he does. He's like, shut up and go to bed. And she like spits <laughs> up and just falls straight back onto the bed. I think this might be my favorite line of the episode, by the way. It's not a line, it's a word. Where she's like, you will shan't. <laughs> so great. I've never heard, because they don't usually use old words in this show. Yeah, yeah. So when she says, you will, and he says, shan't, just in complete rebuttal to her. Like, she thinks that he works for her now because her and Arthur are in love. Oh, yeah. She's like, you're, you're fully my servant now, excuse me. He's like, screw you, lady. Yeah, but he panics, stuns her. It's a great fall. The whole thing is great. And I love how you know she's in the cupboard. <laughs> you don't see it happen, but you know. I I was like, how are they going to do this? And I thought that maybe he would put her under the bed or something, but that would be obviously easy if you're searching a room. But yeah, that's great. That cupboard is beautiful, by the way. Cupboard is beautiful, but is it just me who knows that because I've seen it? Or is it just because he's standing in front of the cupboard? That's what that says, right? Because he's just standing in front of it and he's just like, nope. <laughs> Yep. But Arthur comes in and Merlin is just panicking. The whole time. The whole time that everyone is in the room. There's so many funny. I mean, it is from when he's panicking with Vivian where he the emphasis of you need to go. And then the stunning her. And I'm like, can you just physically remove her? Arthur comes in to this panicked Merlin. And a couple beats later, Olaf comes in looking for his daughter and the comedic genius in Bradley James's face. I cannot stand. I had to rewind to watch these facial expressions he's making when Olaf is threatening him. He's just befuddled face. She's in your room. And wouldn't that be a treat? <laughs> Which is like, obviously, this whole spell thing, he doesn't know who he's talking to. Like, he doesn't, it doesn't register in his brain that he can't say stuff like that. So he just literally says what comes to his mind as in love with Vivian. The spell reads like a love-struck fool kind of spell. Yeah. I like this deep undying love. It's like a, this dummy who can't really interact with the world. Right, that I would do all the dumb things to try to get you to be mine. But yeah, his face over and over in his interactions with uh, Mark Lewis Jones playing Olaf kills me. He is half laughing, half like, he, sound, he kind of feels like he's pretending to be like, stunned and I was like oh my god how could you say that about me but also kind of mocking Olaf at the same time which is funny because what he's playing is complete sincerity right yes no filter none at all no filter just says what he thinks completely sincere dummy it's so funny and it only gets funnier with the faces and the comedy in this because then you go to the trickler and Merlin at the cupboard and what happens here with the, the gestures and the faces when Merlin says, that hasn't opened in years, and then turns to him, kind of like with this, this face of, go ahead, try me. So great. It's so great because you think that they're just going to walk away. And then finally, they notice that that cupboard, that wardrobe, whatever that is, was there. It's like, oh, this, this place. Luckily, Merlin thinks very fast and locks it forever. Has never opened. Don't even know why it's here. Should have thrown it away. I mean, speaking of forever, by the way, later she's still asleep. He puts her to sleep for the rest of the day. And am I the only one who 
totally took the time to picture Merlin having to carrying her hoister onto his bed. Because <laughs> what is Arthur slips into the screen to take his shirt off and Merlin's gone. The cupboard's open. And he's what? Wandering the hallways with Vivian over his shoulder. <laughs> like a sack of potatoes? Yes, that's what I pictured. <laughs> Past the guards, everything. Just. This is all a true comedy of errors. But poor Gwen, right? I feel so bad for her in this episode. So bad. It's so heartbreaking, the image of her sitting in her house, waiting for Arthur. Meanwhile, the, the juxtaposition scene is actually really funny. It's Arthur climbing the wall with a rose in his mouth. Which I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> well, it's like romance from, you know, from rom-coms. So like from that, you can guess that there are guards at the, her door because he has to come through the window, right? Well, because Olaf screams it in the prior scene. He says it, I want guards at her door. Oh, that's true. Which I, again makes me think I of Monty guess. Python. She doesn't come out. <laughs> and just the idea of him explaining it to guards that are too stupid. Like, she doesn't come out until I say so. But yeah, when he gets up there, she's still, again, she's still asleep. So Merlin has knocked her out for, I don't know, an entire day. Oh my God, thank God, because it's less of a problem. I would do what he did if I had that power too. I'm like, just as be asleep and not just don't bother me for the rest of today. Why doesn't he use that on Arthur? It's a true story. Next time he starts a chore list. Well, for this episode specifically, Arthur has to participate in the peace treaty. It's not only the kings, it's the prince too. So he has to be awake. Well, yeah, Arthur's always overly involved, isn't he? Until he isn't and he's the last one to know about anything happening. <laughs> I mean, with the gang, he's always the last one to know. There's two extremes here. It's either oh, over-involved or under. Either I'm in it or I don't know anything about it till the very last minute. This is where he gets caught. And Merlin's, oh no. <laughs> I feel terrible for Merlin in this scene because he's been trying so hard. You know what I thought of in this scene when they get caught and Merlin just feels hopeless? Here's what I wrote in my notes. Do I feel a dragon's visit coming? Oh my God. Could you feel it here? Like, no. Just go to the dragon. No. No. I really thought that Gaius and Merlin were going to figure something out somehow. I really didn't expect to see the dragon in this episode, but let me tell you something. Boy, am I glad. To be honest, by the way, I couldn't remember. I'm sitting there in this scene going, do they go, does he go to the dragon in this episode? I could not remember because it wasn't in the preview. And I was like, am I wrong? Isn't he going to go to the dragon? He wasn't in the preview at all. And I really did not think that they were going to have to go to the dragon for this because I thought this is pretty simple. They've done, they've reversed enchantments like this before. They're going to figure something out. But oh boy, am I happy that he went to the dragon. What I love is the idea that it's not that it was so hard, right? So there's too many love spells. And I love that because that would be true. Because the one thing there would be the most spells for is love spells. I promise you. I believe that. Right? That would be the most of the spells. So, of course, there's too many for him to figure it out. I believe it. But I'm happy that you didn't feel the same way as me, actually. But he does go to Gaius first. So that that's why also I'm like, no, they're just going to figure something out because he kept, I really didn't think, it didn't seem like a dragon kind of episode. You know what I mean? There wasn't that much here at stake. And I'm like, nah, we don't need the dragon for this. Like they can figure that out. They can figure this out on their own. 
Also, you could save the CGI for a way bigger problem. That's true. Budget-wise, this is you could cut the dragon out of this. All I know is that in this scene where they're kind of declaring their love, Uther's there. And the gigantic literal eye roll that Anthony Head does when <laughs> Arthur's explaining that he's in love and he just his eyes just dip into the back of his brain. <laughs> I love that that's Uther's reaction to his son. He's like, oh my God, what an idiot. <laughs> That's when he's in Arthur's room, right? Yeah. His costume that's all black and kind of like leathery, so great. I think if this is the best thing that I've seen Uther wearing since day one of season one. I love this costume. I love it. It's so cool. Yes. It's a lot more leather in season two. I like it. <laughs> I'm glad you do. By the way, poor Gwen. <laughs> Just poor Gwen. <laughs> She's just packing it in for the night. Gwen is just so upset. It's very sad. Angel Colby says nothing and delivers a great performance here. Very great with her, like, blowing the candles. It's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's devastating. In the morning when Uther comes to yell at Arthur, by the way, that you're talking about this costume because this is later. You're talking about the costume in this scene. Because he rolls his eyes when... Arthur's explaining that they love each other in the night. But in the morning, when Uther's yelling at him and he's wearing this leather number, what I can't believe about this scene is that twice, twice, Uther turns to Merlin. <laughs> he really does. He's like, I need to back up here. You do something and you back me up on this. In disbelief, talks to Merlin like a person and says, what's happened to him? <laughs> well, you know, he's asking the right source. He's with Arthur all day, every day of his life. So, you know, some explanation. Right, but under Gaius's very accurate detective agency scene moments where he's like, we can't let Uther find out magic's involved because then we'll definitely have a war. And the whole point of this episode is to get peace across the kingdoms. So this is, again, kind of like a rom-com setup, right? The plot device of like the one thing you should tell them, you can't. And he just plays dumb, but Uther, just before he dips out, does the second take to him where he's just befuddled and looking at Merlin like, what am I supposed to do? He's an idiot. I love that there, there's no contemplation of magic here. He just thinks Arthur's an idiot. He thought that before. That's why it works. I'm not surprised that he's thinking it again. It's, it's so why it works. It is. That brilliant exchange for me, it just, I love this whole side of Uther. Who doesn't even get that mad. He's like, you're an idiot. You're going to get yourself killed. And he's just exasperated. Yeah. He feels like a real father to me, not the king. He feels like a dad to me who's just like, oh, my God, my son's an idiot. Why are you being like this? But this is when Merlin goes to Gaius. They agree. If anyone finds out it's magic, there's going to be a war. So fix it, Merlin. Thanks. The guidelines here are unenchant Arthur fast. That's all that I have to tell you. I don't know anything else. I can't help you. Any books that might help with that or something? What's funny is that I feel like I got sixth sense during this whole episode because right before it happens, I think, where's Morgana this whole episode? And then she popped up on the screen and I was like, oh, there she is. I thought about her also throughout the episode because you just see Gwen a lot and you don't really see Morgana. I was surprised to see her. You also feel like Morgana was the one person who would have a lot to say about Vivian. Yeah. Maybe she was hiding from Vivian because otherwise they have to hang out together. You know, how it goes. Right, because this is how they write the reveal to Gwen of what's actually happening or appears to be happening. Because she has no idea about the Vivian of it all. 
And Morgana's just kind of waxing on a bit about he's just throwing his life away for a woman. And of all women, Vivian. And she's looking through a magic window of the castle, right? She's looking outside and seeing something important. But yeah, at the magic window, she's giving this speech and it's kind of, you know how she feels about Vivian. So she probably has been dodging her the whole time. That's what I would do. And, you know, I understand her. She's like, I'm not feeling well. I'm just going to retire to my chambers for seven days. There's only one queen bitch of this castle. I will not take this. You may borrow my maid, but I will not hang out with you. Poor Morgana hasn't had Gwen all episode, has been all alone. But she's here to do the reveal the exposition to Gwen. She's here to upset Gwen for the rest of the episode. Gwen does not play it cool either. <laughs> I mean, come on. The whole thing is that it started with a note that was hand-delivered to her, signed by Arthur. Well, signed by Merlin, but with Arthur's name. I mean, one is as good as the other. <laughs> you know. I'm really proud of her because for what Gwen believes... She speaks up for herself because she runs into Arthur in the hallway right after. And this is the clearest communication you get of the whole episode, even though she doesn't say things, you know, she doesn't state them for what they are. She does say, I wish you would have told me yourself. Yeah. It's really great. It's kind of sad because it totally falls on deaf ears because he does not know what she's talking about because the spell has him completely amnesiaed out of their whole relationship. He has no idea. But I'm also really glad, as you just said, that she speaks up for herself and says, hey, I deserve respect for you. At least you come and talk to me in person about this. Yeah. Which, way to go, Gwen. It doesn't completely fall into fears, though, because Merlin sees what's happening and he's really sad for her because he can't even explain it to her because he's trying to keep the magic of it all a secret. It's kind of like, no, he still really likes you, but magic. Also... Merlin, I feel like Merlin feels a little guilty because he started all of this pretending to be Arthur and leaving the flowers in the card in the quote-unquote wrong person, wrong right person's table. Right. I don't blame Merlin at all, but poor Merlin. He's he's noticing what's happening, and I, I, I'm glad he feels for her because Arthur doesn't understand anything. No. As per usual, but worse. I love that we had this like little bad guy scene. We can't lose. And in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, if you only knew Merlin was involved, you're screwed. <laughs> right? I don't feel like there's any danger in this episode because I'm just like, oh, Merlin's going to figure it out. Yeah. What did you think he was going to do if he didn't think he was going to go to the dragon? I really think that he, they were going to figure out some kind of a spell. Or like, I don't know, Merlin's walking around with Arthur and then Gaius would figure something out. But Gaius in this episode is really like, look, I'm very busy. I'm also old. You figure this one out. I don't care. He is kind of just done. <laughs> he does not help at all. He's fully checked out in this episode. <laughs> he doesn't really help research. He doesn't. He's just like, hey, just make sure that you don't turn the prince into a three-horned toad or something like that. But other than that, like no clear guidelines, no real advice at all whatsoever other than that. Just don't make Vivian bald. Other than that, just figured out. By the way, we didn't address that, but I thought it was rather brilliant, that whole sequence of if I undo it this way, Arthur turns into a toad. The list of things that could happen <laughs> if I fuck this up. It's great. It's really great. The fight to the death starts and Vivian is so enchanted that I looked at her and I thought, 
wouldn't you be sad because either your love is going to die or your dad's going to die, but she's just as much under the spell. Right, and that's that's where also more than than in Ar- on Arthur, we can see how the spell really works, that you're just happy. You're just happy all the time. It doesn't matter what's happening. Everything is like kind of exciting and overly dramatic. Right. You're permanently in the in the wistful moment of falling in love. Right. Constantly. It's a love at first sight. Constantly. How exhausting. It is exhausting. I never want to be like that. They play it so well, though, because this is where you st- really start to see it with Arthur, too, where he's not really fighting. I mean, he is, but he's a little too foggy headed to fight. Really? He's foggy headed and he gets very easily distracted just from the sight of seeing Vivian sitting there in the stands. He just stops fighting and looks at her and just stares with a stupid smile on his face. I love this idea, by the way, that it's a fight to the death, but each round is timed. Or at least the first two are. I would guess the third one would go until you died. Yeah, I I have a question here. Who makes the rules? Four fights, whoever like throws a glove being like, I make the rules of this fight. I mean, usually it's just a fight to the death, but I think they wanted to be able to cut the scenes. Well, that's obviously. But I mean, just like in general. I know. I just like they've never done it this way. It's always like the knight's code. There's a code for these things. This is like boxing match almost like ding. Stop. But I guess in the last round, you go until one of you dies. And, and guys is the old guy in the corner. Who's going to, you know, yes. tape your eye up. Yes. <laughs> He's like, well, Hugo, Hugo, you can do this. You can do this. Get out there. Get out there. This is something I love. I love Gaius's medicine here. He pokes him in the rib and goes, well, that's broken. <laughs> I'm like, yep, accurate. One of your ribs is broken, sir. Just like sticks his finger <laughs> right in it. It's like, great. Thanks for telling me. Well, because because that's the thing also. You can see. Mm-hmm. Arthur feels no pain. So I guess he had to poke to actually feel if he was broken or not. Because if you asked him, it's like, no, no pain at all. Everything is amazing. Because I love Vivian. She loves me. Well, this is where Gaia says, go find someone who does know something more. Did you expect the dragon now? Well, yeah. Then I'm like, I know who's coming. It's dragon time. The dragon right here is just being... His bitchiest self. He's such, he's the biggest bitch in Camelot. <laughs> okay. He's, can he have this reaction every single time that something happens? I am living for it. I'm living for this laugh because I am laughing. It's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> he's giggling this time. Last time he, he lost his shit when Uther got a spell cast on him. This time it's a giggle. He's just so great. It's really funny. They talked about in the commentary. Wow, they couldn't figure out how to play this scene. So they had Colin Morgan flip and do the every take of this in two ways, which was comedic or serious, his reaction to the dragon. Oh, how weird. So he had to do everything twice, probably more than twice because you do several takes, but he had to do everything two ways in this scene. But it kind of plays perfectly, so I don't ever want to see the outtakes of what the other version was, the deleted scenes, because... The dragon starts basically, what, doing poetry? <laughs> I, look, I this scene made the episode for me. I love, I loved this scene. I watched probably two or three times because it's so good. He's like, shut 
the fuck up. I'm on a clock. Literally, Arthur's being beaten to death outside on a timer. <laughs> He's just going on and on. It's a force that you and I, we can't understand. This force, Merlin's like, hello, can you just give me the f- whatever the force is? Come on, faster. He's like doing it on purpose. <laughs> of course he is, and it's amazing. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I it is hilarious though. It is hilarious. And it really is. And I'm here for this fix, right? What else could you want from a fairy tale kind of show? Because we talk about this a lot because the creators have talked about it. This is not a period piece. It's a it's a fantasy. Yes. And it's got fairy tale vibes. And what's more classic a fairy tale ending than True Love's Kiss? It's also the best ending for this episode because at this point, I'm like, poor Gwen. I don't want her to suffer this way. And she has to know the truth about the whole thing. So that's the way that the truth gets revealed to her. And she gets a proof that that's what was actually happening. It's not that somebody told her that that happened and then they fixed the problem. She has to go there, see the problem with her own eyes and fix it herself. This is the point where I just marvel at how well they wrote this. It really comes together, this episode. It's not just funny and it is funny, but it really does come together. I agree. It's a classic. True Love's Kiss. Merlin goes to grab her. They're fighting again. And I do love the Merlin and Gwen team up. I got to say this. They're like a little dream team. They are. There's a lot of brain power there. Yes, and they understand each other. They're really good friends. I feel that they feel, if that makes any sense, that they can speak freely between the two of them. It doesn't have to have like no frills, like you're going to have to like tiptoe around this subject or whatever. You just say it. And especially in crisis, you say what you need to say and you just do what you need to do and then it's done and problem solved. Unlike the dragon. It's the opposite. I love I love these opposites. I really do. I have no complaints about the dragon in this episode. I think the line that works so well here, they all do. But the one that works really well for me is, he's enchanted. Yeah, I see that with Lady Vivian. The double meaning of that, just, I love it. It's really good. And I like on this scene when Merlin just stops it and be like, look, let's just not pretend that I don't know what's going on. I know everything. Like... Anyone who spends five minutes with you can see how you feel about each other. Like, come on, let's just not do this because I don't have any time. The dragon took all of my extra time that I had. We have to do this fast and you have to believe me. First of all, I wrote that line down too because it's an excellent line because it is cutting to it. Second of all, he had no extra time. He already had to walk all the way down into the abyss. <laughs> run all. You know, you know what's time consuming? Having to get back up those stairs. There's like a thousand stairs. Merlin's legs are like jacked at this point to like have to run all the way down, then run all the way up, then run all the way down, then run to Gwen, then run to Gaius, then run to Uther, then run to... Like, look, in shape. Great. It's so great. I'm going to I'm gonna get a... I'm going to get a one episode and I'm going to do a Merlin-inspired workout. Yeah. An hour Merlin-inspired workout. Just running downstairs with a torch in your hand. Well, if anyone can do it, it's you. Gwen comes to save the day. She busts into the tent. I can't take how beautiful this is because this music always gets me. Yes. And this kiss is great. It's so romantic. It's romantic and it's so passionate on her end that she just lunges at him and just starts kissing him. It's so good. And you can see, I mean, they are so great at this, right? Both Bradley James and Andrew Kobe. You can see the spell 
leaving Arthur's body as they continue to kiss. Right, because she's in a very different role here. She's taking the lead. She's taking the action. She's in charge. She kisses Arthur. And the way he slowly gives into it, and then it kind of flips, right, where he takes charge and they dip down. Amazing. Amazing direction of the scene. I love it. I love it so much. It's beautiful. For the fourth time in a row, I will say the music. I can't. Their theme is the best. Speaking of spell-breaking acting, Bradley James, as great as he is at playing Enchanted, he's that good at playing the process of the pain starting to set in from the broken rib and then the confusion on his face when she delivers the line, you're in a fight to the death. And you're losing. And you're losing. It's such a dramatic, it's so funny because it feels very dramatic, this scene. And it doesn't feel out of place to the rest of the episode, but it kind of is. Yeah, but it really doesn't feel, it really doesn't feel it. No, it feels great, but really it's a different note from the whole episode. Oh yeah, that's for sure. It's so great. I love it. I love his face when he just is confused. His eyebrows furrow. And she asks him to stay alive for her. But he's not so convinced. Because what does he say to Merlin? To take care of her because she's not dispensable to him. Yeah. That's really nice. It's so sweet. It's, it's really sweet. sweet. Yeah. Part three of the fight begins. And we get the victory and the peace and the music starts up again. What else can you say? I mean, can I go back and say something again about this? There's like, he, it's, it's extra sweet because he recognizes that she's not just a servant. Like, she's not just a cleaning lady. She's like, she's more. She's more, and even if she's not more for other people, she's more than that to him. And that's so sweet. And I love it. Well, then he shows up at her place. I don't know how long Arthur's been creepily standing in her apartment. <laughs> Look, I don't, but I love this scene. I love this scene because it was like Bradley James was in my living room showing up. And I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, oh, hi, what's going on? A rose. Oh my God, it's so cool. I was like flustered in my living room, like looking at it to be like, oh my God, you're here. It is surprising. I don't think even having seen this, I don't think I remembered to expect this, right? Because he just shows up at her house. Yeah. I, I look because you see the first, the beginning of the scene is that after he doesn't kill Olaf, they come, they, it comes to the scene is that you see a single rose and you see a card, you see a message. and. Obviously, you think that he's sent, but then when he pans out, he's there on like a dark corner. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so cool. <laughs> he's very Prince Charming in this scene. He really is. I think that that's why I was like flustered. I'm like, this is amazing. It's the blonde hair and the white tunic. It's the whole thing. <laughs> the thing that I pick out of this whole scene is this line they write for him. Where he says, he's never told Gwen he loves her, but he does say, I have never loved another. I have that line written down on my notes, too. It's very important. It's huge. He's just confessed his love to Gwen. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. That's the whole episode for me, that line, because that's a big deal that he confesses that to her. And it's funny because I don't think we've seen him on the side of being determined to change this. No, last time, from what I remember, you can correct him if I'm wrong, from the last time that we saw him, he was pretty sure that there was no way around it and Merlin was the one who planted that little seed in his head when you were king 
you can change this. So now it's in his head and he's probably planning it as we can see in this episode. And I love it. Yeah, this episode has pushed him kind of into having to deal with it. Yeah. Can't hide from it. Probably pushed him into determination to do something about it. Well, he knows that he hurt her a lot. I believe that his feelings are true. I think that he believes her feelings for him are true also. And if you were a half a decent person, you wouldn't want to keep hurting a person that loves you and that you love also. So after this, I think that he was he's determined to try to not let this happen again. Well, I'll get to what we know is true in a minute. But first, let's deal with this scene in the courtyard because I'm fascinated at how we played this. And by we, <laughs> I'll correct myself. I'm fascinated at how they chose to play this, both writing-wise and acting-wise. Uther, Arthur, the whole gang, not the whole gang, but the gang is standing there waving the kings goodbye. And they're talking to Alanid like they know what he did. But we never address this because Uther can't know because magic was involved. Yeah, I have it in my notes that also, and I'm extra confused. It's enjoyable to watch it, but it's confusing. It is confusing because... That's exactly how they're talking. They're talking like they knew that he planned to not have peace in the first place. But they don't. They don't know. Only Gwen. Well, Arthur knows because he came out of the spell. Uther can't possibly know. And they're all like, oh, what's wrong? You don't look happy. And it's, it's so fascinating. There's no way that Uther would know. I'm fascinated. I'm not even mad at it because it was enjoyable. And it was all a, a very, y'all come back now, you hear? Like, it's very fun. But I didn't think it made sense. I'm ready to let it go in a heartbeat. I agree with you. Just because it was amusing. I love that also uh, the spell's not broken on Vivian. Poor girl. <laughs> Poor girl. Her dad's going to take her away from temptation forever. You're going to be locked in a tower. She like turned into Rapunzel after this. There's no other way. You know what's amazing? Is that's what, they, that's what Bradley James said in the commentary. <laughs> He said, this guy's going to go lock her in a tower. <laughs> Bradley, I agree with you. Great minds. Because I was like, for a second there, you were saying it. And I was like, where did she hear that? And I was like, no, oh, she just came up with that herself. And Bradley came up with the same thing. I did came up with it myself. <laughs> it's a great, great little comparison. Yeah, he's going to lock her up. Because what else are you going to do? She's love mad. And Merlin's just going to let this whole thing go. He's just washing his hands of her problems. <laughs> Well, she was not very nice in the first place. If she was nice in the beginning, maybe people would care more about her. You know what? This will make her nicer. It will, actually. Let's go with that. It makes her nicer, and that's all that matters. Look, she never got to cut her hair ever again. And we know how that story ended. Well, all I know is that we end on a note of true snarkiness between Merlin and Arthur, our dream team for real, and... Marlon says it. I have proof now. This is proof. He's like, you can't, you can't, can't pretend anymore. You don't get to pretend with me at least anymore. I, I know. And what does Merlin get for teasing Arthur? A death threat. Speak of it again and I'll kill you. It's actually really sad because they said that the director cut before they did the thing they were planning. Aww. She didn't know to wait for it. They got to the door up the stairs and he shut the door in his face. <laughs> I'm actually really sad we'll never see that. <laughs> I am also really sad. But it's a great little episode. It's like a nice little vacation, you know? It is. It felt like an easy episode. I was very entertained. Great all around. Really like it. 
Because next week I'm Merlin. Well, I talked to Sonia for a brief second before we started recording that I don't think we're going to ever have a break till the end of this season because this was the last, since this is episode 10, this was the last easy episode for this season. Last season, they almost killed me at the last episode, so I don't even know what to expect from this next three episodes. Mm -hmm. Three more. What is going on? Mordent and Morgana are supposed to destroy the world and be together for evil. That can never happen. There's a crystal. Oh my god. I'm exhausted already. I believe the dragon's words were, there's a prophecy that Mordred and Morgana will be united in evil. Look. To which I say, fact. You know we never trusted that kid from the very beginning. Yeah, creepy kid's back. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Doesn't seem to have Merlin's interest at heart. That's all I gotta say. And you know, somehow I have a feeling that after this one, there are going to be two other very hard-to-watch episodes. I don't, you know, they're not hard to watch. It's just not like a fun little romp in a fantasy world. It's some serious shit's about to go down. I'm not going to play with you. Right. Thank you for letting me know, because last time that Sonia didn't warn me, I was very upset throughout the episode. Do you remember that? I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I really remember getting an angry text from you being like, how dare you let me surprisingly get upset. Here's my notes on the next week on Merlin. Looks super upsetting, (laughs) y'all. Look, I can promise you you're going to cry during the season finale. Oh, God. Uh, As per usual, the last season finale was nerve wracking to the very end. I don't think you're going to cry the next two episodes, but you're definitely going to cry three episodes from now. But things are going to escalate rather quickly in the next two episodes of Merlin. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I can't believe that we're finishing the second season. Can you believe this? I'm very excited. I'm excited because season three starts a very different chapter of the story. So we did the setup season. Now we're in like the season where we're starting really to get into who the characters are and what's going on. And what's great about the next three episodes no spoilers is that it's really the the kickstart to the next phase right you know the the next development that brings us the entire story arc forward i'm very excited i mean i know i'll be upset but it's exciting at the same time <laughs> you guys know what i mean you've watched the whole thing some people are watching for the first time with us <gasps> actually that is true but from what i heard Again, from our Instagram, people are ahead of me. Everyone is ahead of me. That's because they're going to binge this. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to not watch two or three or four in a row. So you end up finishing a season very fast. The max amount of time I would do this without a podcast is two weeks. All right, kids. We'll see you next time. See ya. 